Amen. Amen. Well, if you were here this morning, uh, we were uh, bouncing around Ephesians 4, and we're doing the same tonight, because I've been doing this to my church all year. Uh, so we are, we're going to be hitting Ephesians 4, verse 1, and, and can I say, we're only touching on a few little points here, but this literally, for me, was last year I had long service leave, and I was honestly questioning with God, do you want me to keep doing what I'm doing? Every day I feel out of my depth. Every day I go, God, surely there's someone who can do this better than me. Uh, I'm happy to go back into business. And I was kind of hoping to hear him say, yeah, that's cool, go there. Uh, but, and, and I'm here. And so, but this came out of a, I spent a whole day, uh, I did a whole lot of watching Netflix and other things as well. So I don't want anything, I was just a Spiro all the time. But I spent a day literally meditating on Ephesians 4 verse 1. And so one verse, but then springboarding to the left and to the right in your Bible and, and looking at the overall context in the book of Ephesians and just really wanting to be sure Am I where you want me to be, God? And I felt, yes. So that set me for the next seven years. Done. I don't have to ask him again. So until next long service leave, uh, I'll ask the same question. But for now, I'm running hard. So do you have a level of conviction that you are where God wants you to be? Where you can own it on the inside? And if you don't, hopefully this can help you. If you do, let's charge together. Ephesians 4 verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul talking here, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you, I beg you to lead a life or live a life worthy of the calling you have received. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And there is an ache inside the soul of every human being to live in alignment with our purpose. There's this craving internally where we, it's woven into the fabric of who we are that we are born for something more than just being the, this lump of flesh that does whatever it does on the planet and when the lights go out, that's all there is. There's this craving on the inside to be in alignment with ultimately the purpose that God has given to us. It's a craving inside of each and every one of us. And so we're just going to look at three points. This message uh, has 10 observations into living our call. And we're just doing three of them tonight, which you'll be very happy about, or it makes for a very long evening. So three points here. Firstly, tonight, uh, and I touched on this this morning, number one, our call is general and specific. Our call or your call is general and it's specific. Our call is general. And there is a general call that comes to each and every one of us to be followers of Jesus. You can agree with that point if you like. To each and every one of us, we're called into that space, that we would repent, that we would surrender our lives to Jesus, we would live in light of the cross, that we would go and make disciples, that we would love God, we would love others. This is a part of our general call for each and every one of us. So we also have a call that is specific. Just as Psalm 139 paints this picture that we are handcrafted in our mother's womb, so too is our call handcrafted in heaven. 
And there are specific things that God has designed in advance for us to do good things that are woven into the the fabric, the framework of his call. And so important in this is that we understand that the gifts, the talents, the passions that he's woven into us are an incredible part of our call to understand the gifts that he has given you and then to fan those gifts into flame. That's an incredible part of what we're talking about here. And so we can't belittle the gifts that we've been given. Sometimes there are some gifts that we'd like to celebrate that are maybe more public or overt or like where you can sing with the angelic voices that we heard. And that's a gift that I'd love to celebrate. But we cannot belittle even what would appear to be the littlest gift because as we do it for the glory of God, it's extraordinary what that gift can do. And so whether your gift is building or baking, managing or making, thinking or throwing, speaking or sowing, marching or mowing, adding or aligning, saving or signing, fashioning or financing, counseling or compliancing, teaching or timing, rhythm or rhyming, whatever your gift is, let it come alive for the glory of God. Fan that thing into flame. So much of our call is wrapped in our gifts, our talents, our passions. So one of the best things we can do as parents is to help spot these gifts in our kids and awaken them early in their lives. And then all of us as we're going through this journey, because your gift has an upside and a downside. And one of the critical things we've got to learn how to do in life, which is a whole different message, is how to maximize our upside. So the sweet spot of your gift, the power of your gift, and maximizing the upside of our gift sees incredible fruitfulness, but we also have to quarantine the downside of our gift because there is something majestic about it but there is something challenging about if you're a deep creative there are glorious things that you will see and explore and be able to express but there can also be a a depressive or overly analytical or critical element and so we have to learn to maximize the upside but quarantine the downside otherwise it can be like if we're trying to blow up a balloon and we're utilizing our gift it's like blowing air into the balloon and so sometimes you can see people or we can fall into this place ourselves where we're why isn't life working as I want we're blowing into this balloon trying to see it get bigger but it's not because our downside is like a hole in that balloon and so if our downside is left unquarantined, doesn't matter how hard we blow, trying to get this thing bigger and it just keeps coming back because maybe in that season it's time to actually quarantine, to band-aid, to block over part of that downside, that laziness or that attitude or that whatever it may be that we block that up so then it allows our gift to expand that balloon to a whole nother level. But this isn't the focus of this, so I'm going to keep on moving here, right? Now, so if you haven't quite figured out your specific call, that's okay. Because you know what? I think it has an incredible fluidity that flows through our lives. There's no way I could have told you when I fully surrendered my life at 19 
what I would be doing now. And look, if God had told me, I would have run in the other direction. So it unfolds gradually. So whether you are in your earlier years or your latter years, firstly, it's, it's not too late to dive into the call of God, even if you feel like you've totally missed it. But there is this incredible flow that he unfolds piece by piece. And here's a few, just two quick ways that we can, we can really engage with, with figuring out our specific call. And firstly, if you're trying to really figure out your specific call, number one, firstly, engage with your general call passionately passionately dive in to your general call to be a follower of Christ, to be alive in him, that if we're trying to search for this call, it's all about getting closer to the caller, to the one who gives the call. And sometimes our call can become an idol, whereas we we need to remember this is all about the caller. And if we're close to the caller, you can be sure that he's going to guide you into your call. And so let's dive into who he is. Grow closer with your caller. And secondly, is make sure you dive into community. So we want to get to know the caller and continue to get to know the caller. And secondly, to dive into community. Because if you were here this morning, relationships aren't a part of our call. They're our first port of call. And since the beginning, the enemy has been working to undermine relationships to pull us into isolation from God and from each other, to create animosity between us. And there is a direct correlation that there is something glorious where we can do life together despite the things in us that grate on each other and learn to let his love free and permeate and live in community together. And, and I, I see this correlation. I, I think the more committed we are to Christian community, the more committed we are to Christian community, the more empowered we are to live our call. The more committed we are to Christian community, and let's not ever be deceived in this space, the more committed we are there, the more empowered we are to live our call. Point number two, which is actually... Point number three, because remember there's 10 points and we're just picking. So this is point number three. So if you haven't been listening and you're like, oh, what happened to point two? There, there isn't one today. So point number three today, call and comfort are rarely friends. And in case a bit of Kiwi accent pops out, it's not really friends. R-E-A-L-L-Y, that is the opposite of what this point is trying to say, is rarely Okay, rarely, seldomly friends. We, we need to remember Apostle Paul who's writing this, this preach which is going out to the churches in and around Ephesus. He's writing this from jail. This starts with, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And so this is being written by prison. Paul's not staying at some nice resort here. He's writing from a place of confinement in the natural, but certainly not in the spirit. So it's important that we understand that expectations establish the boundaries of our frustrations. Expectations 
establish the boundaries of our frustrations. And this is really important in relationships and it's a key thing in marriage that if we've got a, a certain expectation that's unclear or someone else has got a different expectation, then there's room for epic frustration. If you're expecting something to happen, if you were coming to church tonight and you were expecting that someone was gonna give you a million bucks, you just, oh, I'm coming to church. And, and then you're gonna leave and I'm pretty sure that's not gonna happen. It, you, we'll see, but pretty sure that's not gonna happen. But if you came with an expectation of getting a million bucks for coming to church and you leave without it, you're gonna be frustrated. You're frustrated because you had the wrong expectation. Now here's the challenge for us with our Christianity is in our, our comfortable Western mindset, we've often overlaid the sense that if I, if I do stuff for God, if I do this God thing, then ultimately he's somehow gonna make my life more comfortable. Then blessing is gonna look like comfort. And subconsciously we carry, so, so often we carry this expectation. And then when we're engaging with the call of God and it's not comfortable, we feel frustrated, like something's wrong. Something's wrong with him. Where's my comfort, God? Or we bring it back and we blame ourselves or we blame the church community because we're expecting something which he hasn't promised. Remember, Paul's writing this from prison. You know, when I was, when I was a kid growing up in the 70s, we had, uh, in New Zealand, we had three channels on TV. And you'd have to walk up to the TV to turn the dial to move from one channel to the next. And that was what we had. And so you, if you wanted to watch TV, you're all gonna watch what everybody was watching because there was one screen in the entire house. And so you'd have to choose and you'd, you'd then compromise and, and that was the way. Now, when I open Netflix, it literally tells me what percentage match that show is with my preferences. So I, I get a 93% match on that movie or a 98% match. And so I can move towards my preferences. And so we're, we're used to in our current cultural context, finding quite easy comfort. It's crazy that as you, if you think about Macca's, in 1940, when Maccas came out, there were nine menu options. Nine menu options in 1940. In 2005, there were 85 menu options. In, sorry, that's 2007, 85 menu options. You fast forward just 12 years to 2019. So currently there are 145 menu options at Maccas, but pretty much everything is customizable because we now expect our exact preferences to be met. Now you imagine bringing that mentality into a marriage. It's ruined before it begins. You imagine bringing that into a church community, expecting you can type in your exact preferences like Netflix and we somehow expect that from God and from others, it's ruined before it begins. You imagine bringing that into our connection with God and we're expecting Him to type in our exact preferences for life. And now it's not conscious, it's subconscious, which makes it even more damaging. And so we have to free ourselves from this notion, remembering that call and comfort are not friends. If we're feeling comfortable in life, it's probably more a signal that we're out of His call than in it. I'm uncomfortable every day. And that helps me be alive and helps me go to faith 
but he wants to pull out of us the majesty that he's placed in us. And that happens as we're out of our comfort zone and we have to reach beyond ourselves and find something of him. And this is where we come alive, where we are alive in ways that are glorious and ultimately it glorifies him. Call and comfort are rarely friends. Surely you remember our toil and our hardship, Paul writes in 1 Thess. Be patient in your affliction and your pain and your distress in Romans 12. 2 Corinthians 4, he writes, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Don't despair when you feel perplexed and you can't figure it all out. Sometimes it's okay, it's a part of the process. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. Call and comfort are rarely friends. So then the question is, what keeps you moving through the discomfort? What keeps you, when this gets hard, when following Christ is difficult, what keeps you moving through the discomfort? Because our culture would tell us to just dial your preferences differently. Find a new God, one that you can create that is going to ultimately be under your control So it's not actually a God you're worshipping, you're worshipping yourself, this creation that you've made because you've you've taken a bit of this and a bit of that religion and a bit of this understanding and I'll just mash it together into whatever I like. So we can ultimately live in a place of comfort. So what keeps you moving through that point of discomfort when you don't want to pray, when you're disappointed and it hits hard and deep, when it didn't work out like you thought it should? When that person ticks you off, what? What is it that keeps you moving? Do you know? You know where to go, what to do when you want to follow this thing. I want to follow your call, God. But it's hard. What do you do? Here's one thing that helps me. Memorizing scripture in a way that stirs. And so Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. There's some... Keys in here for us. Therefore, since you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we're just springboarding out of Hebrews 11 and these men and women of faith who strived for great things, didn't always see what they were hoping for, but they gave it a red hot go for the glory of God. And now they're cheering us on. Since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders those attitudes, those annoyances, those frustrations. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Your call. Run that call, not Pastor Dan's call. Your call. Not the person next to you. Let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps you moving when you don't want to move anymore, when it's hard, when you're annoyed, when it's disappointed. It's a revelation of the risen Saviour, of who Jesus is, of what He has done for you, of His heart 
for you and for the people that you're surrounded by. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, you are his joy, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us consider him, him, Jesus. Let us remember Jesus. Let us think about Jesus. Let us consider him that you will not grow weary or lose heart. So if we're growing weary or losing heart, our eyes have gone off where they're supposed to be, the risen Savior, and they've gone on to the frustration or the annoyance or the inadequacy in us or the whatever. Our last point for today is point number 10. Aren't you on fire? Point 10 already. Point 10. The ripple effects of living my call are bigger than I will ever know. The ripple effects of living my call are bigger than I will ever know. We, I like to mix things up in how we do prayer. So uh, we have all different ways of, of doing prayer. Anyway, this, this year uh, we had 24 hours of prayer. We hadn't done it for a little while. So the church is open literally 24 hours in a row and different prayer chunks you can come for, come for half an hour here, or I think there was about seven people who stayed the whole 24 hours. Anyway, at one of the night meetings down here on the altar was one of our beautiful 60-year-old ladies called Lynn. And Lynn was here, she's got pain in her body, she's had issues in her back, and she hasn't been able to sleep laying down in her bed for, it was for months at this time. And so she'd have to prop herself up with pillows. She couldn't sit on the toilet properly, had this pain in her back and other parts of her body. And so she was down the front and this particular meeting was for physical healing. And so we're believing for that. And so she's here and, and she's praying, she's worshiping and, and a few people prayed for her and there's, there's no change. She still feels just as much discomfort. And now this is about 40 minutes later. And so I was on stage at this point saying some things and I look down and I can just see this this desperate this passion in Lynn's face this beautiful grandma who's been in our church 30 plus years and she's she's just like god please <laughs> one of those one of those moments and, and more people prayed for her and anyway I didn't know where the prayer meeting kept going the, the next day Uh, So Sunday morning, we're getting ready for church and Lynn comes up and she's really excited. She's like, Jace, Jace, Jace. And and I get a big hug from her every day. Uh, She's like, I need to to let you know, uh, I'm pretty much 70% better. Like 70, my back's about 70%. She's like, I need to, I need to tell you. She's like, "I I need to tell you this morning, I sat on the toilet and it didn't hurt. Thanks, Lynn. Uh, That's... uh, Keeping it real, uh, that's, that's awesome. So I said to her straight away, can you tell the church that this morning? Uh, yeah, okay. so anyway, so Lynn, Lynn comes up on stage and, uh, and so she gives all of the, the, the general kind of, so we're just, we're chatting up on stage, telling the church and I just, I loved her tenacity in just pushing in and, and worshiping and praying and, and, and said, Lynn, and, and so she told most of the story. I said, Lynn, what about the toilet thing? And she goes, oh, okay, so she tells the church, I sat on the toilet <laughs> and it didn't hurt. Yeah, the church is like screaming, laughing. <laughs> uh, and anyway, what Lynn didn't know is that standing down here was now in a normal kind of rock up to church moment was Tara. 
when Tara was a kid, she was in an accident and had uh, a broken, something broken in her spine and has had pain ever since. She's been to physio and Cairo and tried a whole lot of things and, and has just tried to medicate the pain. She's in her mid-40s. And while she was standing here, she heard some of Lynn's story. And by now, Lynn was like, she's probably about 80% better. And so we're just riding the percentage with her. Uh, and so Tara is here. And, and as Lynn is sharing her testimony, Tara is saying inside of herself, God, I want that. God, would you heal my back? And at the same time, a few just back here was Genevieve. Now, Genevieve is Tara's sister. When Lynn has given her testimony, something goes off in Genevieve and she goes, I want my sister to have that. So she moves forward and places her hand on her sister's back. And in this moment, Tara is instantly healed, instantly healed. So she goes home, she's doing all these random exercises, like fully testing this out, trying to like make sure it's healed. They, they didn't know that at the same time over here, there's a young mum called Marie. Now, Marie had some complications with childbirth and some other things, and she's had this crazy back pain that's gone down her leg, and she's there. Now, standing next to Marie was her husband, husband Lee. Lee is one of those beautiful guys who's super quiet. Like the thought of him saying anything on stage, he'd just vomit all over you. Like he, but a, a wonderful, solid man, but not overt and like over the top with his faith it's he's quite reserved in how he carries it but he just has this sense he doesn't know what's happened over here for Tara he doesn't know that Genevieve's coming but he just has this I'm just going to pray for my wife he's never done this before they're in their mid-30s he just puts his hand on his wife's back and at the same time Marie is saying inside of her head God I want that and she's instantly healed instantly healed the ripple effects of living your call. Yeah, we can praise God. The ripple effects of living your call are bigger than we could ever know. And so we have this beautiful lady, Lynn, who's just worshiping and praying. And she's come for prayer so many times and so many times hasn't got the result she's looking for. But this particular moment, there's this faith in her heart and there's God's sovereignty and this beautiful intersection and something happens in her. But she didn't even get the full healing in her body for this. But these other two ladies do. And sometimes we make it so about us. And God's always trying to get our eyes off ourselves to see those around us. The ripple effects of living our call are far bigger than we could ever know. And whether it's you passionately standing in faith for something you're believing for and seeking until, knocking until, or whether it's you living above the answer and maybe the answer that you are seeking for, it didn't come to pass in the way that you wanted it, but there's something, there's some faith alive in you. We're actually living above the answer and you're activating your faith even though you didn't see it come through how you wanted. Like when I prayed for my mum to be healed for, for cancer and there was no response. I'm like, God. But he saw the bigger picture that it was when my mum was in hospital going through the cancer treatment 
she got to witness to more people in a different demographic of people than she ever had. It just opened these doors for the gospel in ways where God always has a bigger picture. And when it doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out, there is a disposition for us to carry ourselves with that, God, you are sovereign. I'm going to continue to step out in faith and whether it looks like what I was hoping for or not, I'm aware that my actions here have a ripple effect. And so I want to stir faith in those around me. Our call is general and specific. Call and comfort are rarely friends. And the ripple effects of living my call are bigger than I could ever know.